you guys for that very much. So I mentioned the boys are gone, and I don't know who was here last week and heard Brendan, a few of us. I don't know if you were listening. It's okay if you weren't. I won't tell him. But he said at one point in his sermon that he felt like he grabbed, he got the short stick because his passage was kind of empty. There wasn't a lot in it. And he was talking about how Paul is sending Timothy and, and sending Epaphroditus and, and how, you know, Timothy's the best I've got, so listen to him. And so I was looking ahead to today, and all the guys are out of town, and I get to talk about circumcision. So I'm not really sure how that pl- plays out. <laughs> um, I think, you know, either I got the short stick or he knew exactly what he was doing, and that's why they're gone. Um, but we will see very quickly what Paul is trying to tell us um, through the passage today. <laughs> so last week, what I had mentioned, Brendan did talk about imitation. He talked about how Paul said, imitate me because I imitate Jesus. He talked about Timothy and Epaphroditus. I'm sending you my best because they've imitated me and I imitate Jesus. And we see just one of the core, core values of discipleship in scripture, imitation, modeling, setting an example, doing what we need to do so that we look more and more like Jesus so that we can model that for the people around us. And as we continue in Philippians, we're going to see, I think Philippians is perhaps one of the best writings in the New Testament about correcting mistaken views of discipleship. It's about showing us what it's like. It's not in mere words, but it's like, let me tell you what it's like. Let me tell you what it's like to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, not just in word, but in, in deed, too, and in our works. And so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. We're starting um, chapter 3 today. If anyone wants to open there, I'll also have it up on the screens, screen. And one of the things, one of the words that we're going to talk about today is confidence. What does it mean to be confident And of course, the first place you go when you're doing your studies is the dictionary. Well, what does the dictionary say that it means to be confident? Here's some of the things Webster says. Full trust, assurance, full trust, complete trust. As I'm walking on this floor, I have full trust that it will hold me. That is not the case about all things for me. I'm not always trusting that everything's going to hold me, but this floor, this concrete floor on the ground, I have full trust that it will hold me. I never doubt it. If I was in California and I was, you, know, you have earthquakes, maybe you would think a little differently, but I have full trust that this will hold me. Reliability in a person or a thing. So I have reliability in the floor. How many of us have reliability in a person? They're going to give me what I need. They will accomplish what I need them to accomplish. Reliability in a person is good. It's a relational dynamic we have to have. But then what happens when that reliability in a person gets broken and the trust gets broken? What happens to your confidence? It takes a little bit of a hit. No uncertainty about one's own own abilities. How many, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but just on the inside, think about your self-confidence meter. Where is it? Is it, I'm really a worm and I have nothing to offer and I have no self-confidence in myself at all and I rely on everything outside of myself 
to be confident in? Or is it, I can do anything. I have, I have complete confidence in my abilities. I have complete comp- confidence in who I am. And I can do anything. Excessively bold. Presumptuous. That seems like to me, my, my personal antenna, that seems like a negative definition. Excessively bold. But I probably could use a little more boldness. But not in my own self. And we'll see very quickly about where that confident really, confidence really needs to be placed. Because sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I think about humility and I think about pride and I think about confidence and I think about where am I supposed to stand in that? If I'm, if I'm a worm and I'm supposed to be really, really low, then, I, then do I serve no matter if I'm tired or if I need to rest or if I need refreshing? Or, or, and, but if I'm pride, if I'm prideful of the things I've done and of, of who Jesus is in me, how much is too much? Pride. How do I hold pride and humility together? How do I hold confidence and humility together? And I, it's muddled for me. It's, it's, I've always struggled with that. What does it mean to be bold in Christ but not obnoxious? What does it mean to be humble in Christ but not taken advantage of or naive? And, and so those things I still wrestle with. And I think it was one of the hardest things about preparing for today is I don't have this down. <laughs> I'm still in the process of this, and I don't have it all together. And we'll see in Philippians what Paul is going to tell us. So if you have your Bibles, open up to chapter 3, and I'm actually going to start in verse 2. And turn this on. Verse 2 says this, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, first of all, why the words dogs, evildoers, and mutilators? Those seem kind of, I don't know, nasty. <laughs> You're a Christian, right, Paul? Why are you calling people, you know, look out for people that are like that? Well, in Jewish tradition, those are probably some of the worst derogatory terms you could have. The dogs, because remember, only even the dogs get crumbs, Jesus. Dogs are one of the lowest people, lowest people. They're one of the lowest people on the pole. They're one of the lowest of the of creatures. Evildoers. To be an evildoer means you're not with God because God's people are righteous and mutilators of the flesh. And it's actually in history proven, not proven, maybe proven, this is what I read, in history that the pagan rituals, they would actually cut themselves as a sign of, as a way of worship. So Paul's saying, look out for those guys because they're not the real deal. They're not the real deal. We are the real deal. We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ. And then he says this, and have no confidence in the flesh. He doesn't say we have a little bit. He says none. No confidence in our humanity. No confidence in the flesh. You see, circumcision is a sign of a covenant. That's how it was designed in Abraham's 
time, they, they, God said on the eighth day, circumcise all the men, all the boys, all the babies, and that will be the sign that they are my people. It's covenant. It's an outward sign of an inward covenant. To belong to God is something that happens on the inside, doesn't it? Because when we try to do all the things right and try to put on the right things, then it's really not what the Lord is asking of us. He's asking us, are you with me by in your heart? Are you with me in your heart? So circumcision is a sign of the, an outward sign of the, incom- of the inward covenant. If you are circumcised, you're in. If you're not, you're out. That's the way it was. That's the way it was. Are you in or are you out? And then Paul goes on to say this, in verse, starting in verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. You got to love Paul's attitude. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. Nobody kept the laws and the rules better than I did. I'm a Pharisee. As to a zeal, a prosecutor of the church, a persecutor of the church. Nobody was a persecutor of the church better than I was. Everything I did, he's saying, was something to boast about. Everything I am is something to boast about. And, he, and it's interesting, this passage, when you look at chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, that poem, that hymn about Jesus Christ, Paul is modeling that same rhythm. And so he starts out in, um, just as that hymn begins with Christ, who existed in the form of God, was equal with God, and was thus a person of the highest rank and stature. He talks about who God is. He talks about who Jesus is. And he says, because he who he is, he is God, he is the highest rank, the highest stature. Nobody is greater than God. Nobody is greater than Jesus Christ. He is the great I am. And Paul begins his self-story here in chapter 3 by describing himself without arrogance as one who was heir to extraordinary privileges and whose life was marked by extraordinary personal accomplishments. Paul understands that that's how it works in the world. Who we are our lineage, our heritage, and the accolades that we gain in the world is what makes us have value. That's the way it works in the world. Why do we strive for stuff? We strive for stuff to, sometimes there's a little piece of us that could be there, I should just say it was there for me, that you want to be significant. You want to be noticed. I think it's a God-given innate longing for us that we would want to fill the voids in our hearts, that we would want to be noticed, that we wouldn't want to be alone in a crowd. How many times do you feel like you don't fit in? How many times do you think, oh, if I was just like that, or if I could just have that, then maybe I would be in. If I just dressed that way, if I belonged to this group, if I was a member of this, I would just fit in. And in our longing to make a difference, in our longing to be significant, in our longing to want to change things we chase after things and do we chase after things that are not of god you bet we do you bet we do 
We do this to claim we're in. I'm not out, I'm in. I got it all together. I got it all together. That's the way the world works. And so, you know, I was thinking about that this week and I was really wrestling with God about it because I, I, get, I get studying scripture. I get the method that I need to use to dig deep, to do context, to do history, to do original language, to find out the cross-references and how it fits together. I get all that. And this week I was wrestling and I go, but what do you, how does this apply? What is this? And then one morning I woke up really early, which was 5 a.m., which I know is not early to a lot of you, but it is to me. And I started thinking, oh, and the Lord showed me a picture. And he said, what are you putting your confidence in, Sharon? What is it? Is it that you're American? Am I confident that I'm American, that nobody could touch me because I'm American? Is that it? Am I standing on this in some way that's out of proportion or out of position of where it should be with Jesus? Is the title American do something for me other than just say, I'm proud to be American and I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for the privileges I get by because don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying don't be proud of this. I'm proud of it. But where is it in position with Jesus? Is my confidence in this? Because this is finite. Jesus is eternal. And then I, then I had this thought, well, you know what? I'm confident that I'm a mom. I'm confident that I have a family. I'm confident that I have people around me that will be for me and love me. Well, anyone with young adult children knows that that's also finite. <laughs> But I was confident in this. I thought this is what I was supposed to do. I thought this would give me value. I thought this is what I needed in my life. So I made it happen. And then I thought, then the Lord said, well, what about that, Sharon? What about that? And I'm like, ooh, this is a big one. This is a big one. My masters of divinity. I'm proud of this. I'm proud of the hard work it took to get this. But did I put it here? in front of my heart and let this be what I'm confident in. Is this what makes me valuable? Is this what makes me good? Is this what makes me right? And unfortunately, I have to tell you that there are pieces of it that, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought if I could obtain that, then I will have arrived. I hate saying that out loud, but it's the truth. And then I had this. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be a member. How many people are members of things? It's like Facebook. If you got like 5,000 friends on Facebook. That means you're something. So here, I'm a member of the Alliance of Renewal Churches. Bridgewood is a member of the Alliance of Renewal Churches. But I'm a personal member of the Alliance of Renewal Churches. I'm a member of the tribe. I got it. Oh, boy, I'm running with some big diamonds now. I got, you know, I got some heavy hitters that I'm running with. Shoulder to shoulder, I must be something. I'm confident that this matters to who I am. And then I, then I thought, actually the Lord put it on my heart, I'm licensed with the state. I can do weddings and funerals. Isn't that something? 
that must mean something. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm ordained. Mm -hmm. I'm ordained. I've been recognized by my peers and recognized by the church to have a call of God on my life. To do the sacraments, to perform marriages, to perform funerals. And I started to think, this is what I needed. And I'm confident that I can do a good job for you guys because I have all this. Having all these accolades. And when I can say I'm confident because I have all this, you know what it does? It puffs up. And it makes it all about me. The other thing I could do is I could still hide behind them a little bit because I'm insecure. But these would make me look like I'm not insecure. But then guess what? That's still all about me. These things that Paul lists, all they do is perpetuate an inherent emptiness that will never be fully satisfied. Never be fully satisfied. There's only one thing, you guys know where I'm going with this, there's only one thing that will fully satisfy. Only one. And so you have all these things and you think, okay, I've got it. I'm arrived. I can do what God is asking me to do and I'll do it well. I'll never fail because I have all of everything I need. I'm confident in these things that I carry. And then God says, okay, Sharon, I need you to move on. I'm calling you to step out into something that you've never done before. And you, you go, okay, God. Okay, and so then you try to move on. And so you, you grab your stuff because you're like, you're, okay, I'm going to go with you, God. I'm going to go with you. And you try to move ahead. And I really can't do this. <laughs> And, and, and you try to move on, and then we read Paul write this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. Counted all as loss. What does that mean? Does that mean none of this matters? All it means is it's out of position. And my confidence is mistakenly placed. It's out of position. In chapter 1 of Philippians um, Paul writes, I am a slave. The word is doulos. It means slave, servant. You know what a servant is? Someone who's willing to lay it all down. Anything that hinders us from having the relationship with Jesus Christ he's calling us to have, are we willing to lay it down? Are we willing to put it in its right place? He says the same thing in chapter 2, verse 7 about Jesus himself, that he was a doulos, he was a slave. The things he lists, he says, I'm voluntarily giving them all up. That's what Paul is telling us. Are we willing, all my rights, all my accolades, all the things that I have, am I willing to give them up? Everything I think I have gained by confidence in these, I count it as loss. And we quickly see in scriptures, right after the Abrahamic covenant of circumcision, we see in Deuteronomy this language circumcise your heart let it be cut away anything that's not of God anything we put our confidence in that is not of Jesus let it be cut away and we see it again in uh, Jeremiah too so let's think about this just for a minute circumcision is something that is extremely vulnerable it's sensitive it's personal 
I'm assuming you're coming with me with this thought, and in an area that is the most intimate way of being known. And allowing our heart to be exposed, to be cut, it takes effort, and it takes willingness, and it takes intentionality, and it takes hard work. And we need to start saying, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're so right. This is out of place. You can't get to my heart with all these things in their place. So we lay down the ordination. We lay down the accolade that we thought made us who we are. We lay down being a member of the tribe we thought we were supposed to be a member of. We lay down our education that while it serves us, it serves us, serves me well, I draw from it all the time, I need to have it in its right place. I can't have it between me and Jesus. I can't have the confidence in these things that block Jesus from getting to my heart. The title of American. I love, I love America. But my confidence is not in that title. Being a mom, having a family. They're all good. But what Jesus wants is our heart. He wants access to that. Having a seminary degree does not make me a good pastor. It does not instantly say, you got it. You're all together. And if you guys haven't found out already in two years, you will. I do not have it all together. The Lord really worked on my heart this week of, of how I still have confidence in things and are standing on things that are not him. And when they're not him, when they're not that solid rock that is him, it's, in, it's finite and it won't last. So we begin to lay everything down. And, I'm, and I am convinced, I am convinced that the most fulfilling, the most satisfying, the most empowering, and the most impacting thing we can do is take care of our souls and have them right with Jesus. That's what gets modeled. That's what gets imitated. That's what people see. We're designed to see the heart. God sees the heart. And we're designed to do that too. And I value the wellness of my soul more than anything. I don't have this all down, but my posture is that I want it. I want Jesus to be the only thing that I have confidence in. Because the wellness of soul far outreaches, is far better than anything else I could chase down. And how about this one? I'm a Christian. How confident are we in that title? Do we think because we carry the title of Christian that we've got it all together? Do we think that because we carry the title of Christian that nothing can touch us? Because if we only think about carrying the title, then we're only in name. We're in name only. And, we're, and we have our confidence in the wrong thing. It's not about the title. It's about who we are and how we live. It's about getting everything out of the way. I'm confident standing behind a podium. <laughs> so I put this over here, and I think, nothing. Nothing but Jesus. Because he's the best. He's the most fulfilling. He is the one that holds our destiny. 
Not, not our accolades, not our heritage. He does. He's the only one that holds our destiny. He's the only one that moves our mountains. He's the only one that satisfies. He's the only one that pulls us up out of the miry pit. He's the only one. None of this stuff will do that. Jesus is the only one that we can have confidence in. He's unmoving. He's unshaking. He's never-ending love. So how do we get there? How do we get there? I don't know yet. Still working on it. I know one thing I do. One thing I think the Lord is asking is that I will just say, Lord, help me. Help me to have more confidence in you and less confidence in the things of the world. And when you notice that something is in the way, when he brings something up to you, let him have it. When you let the Lord have access to your heart, it feels like you're going to (laughs) die. It's a little scary. It's uncomfortable. It can be painful because he might want to show you something that he wants to heal. He might want to show you something that he wants to discipline. And all I can say is let him have his way. Let him have access to your heart. Sue oversees our soul care department, and I go for routine maintenance with the people that I do soul care with at least twice a year. In 2008, I had an intensive, intensive time of lifting some big boulders of, of inner healing out of my life. And now I go on, and I call it my routine maintenance. And I'll call and say, hey, Danny, I'm calling for my routine maintenance. You know, and so we, I have that in my life because I want to keep growing because I don't have this down. Jeremiah tells us to plant our roots by the water And I think that I have still roots planted here, but I want to make that shift. I want to make that shift from the things of the world to the things of God because it's better. It's a better way. So today when we go to take communion, you can think about this if you want to, if you're willing. I'm going to pray for us that if there's anything that we're standing on for confidence that isn't Jesus, that he would reveal it to us. And then when you can come to communion, you can actually lay it at the table. Say, Jesus, I give you this. Jesus, I give you this. Help me to be more standing, standing more firmly with you than anything else in my life. It's the most fulfilling, the most satisfying place to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that does cut and that reveals ourselves to ourselves. And it reveals you to us. So Lord, I just take a minute right now. We pray, Lord, that if there's anything that we're standing on, that we have confidence in of who we are, the privileges we have, the things we've accomplished, would you rise that up now? If it's in the way, if it's misplaced, if it's in the way of us being with you in relationship, would you reveal it? And Lord, I pray that a great exchange would happen today, that we could lay something down willingly as a servant of yours, and you'll replace it with joy and peace and satisfaction and fulfillment and contentment. 
Thank you, Lord, that we get to come to the table today and have communion. Thank you, Lord, that we get to give. Lord, I pray that this offering would not just be done because it's something we do because the world says do it, but that we do this offering because we want to give wholeheartedly to you and to your kingdom. I pray that we would be wise and that it would go forth and make you known. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.
Hallelujah. 